Uh, for those who are uh, new, uh, haven't been part of uh, the last few weeks of our uh, series here, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, and today we'll be focusing on the last part of that, uh, those great verses, 8 through 13. I'd just like to uh, begin by reading those today. Love never ends. Good choice on the song, by the way, we're pretty, pretty good. Love, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. For now, for, now, uh, for now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The focus of our passage today, there's a lot in there and a lot to kind of wrap your mind around. Uh, I, I, I find it difficult to just to hear those kinds of words in one reading and kind of think like, what does all that mean together? So hopefully we can just spend a few minutes considering uh, the depth of these words and how they are a help to us in our life and give us a correct perspective uh, on the world around us, the life around us, what the spiritual life is like. The preceding verses to this um, are, a, are instructions, as is this, to the church at Corinth and instructions to us as well. And they are trying, what, what Paul is doing is he's saying there are a lot of great things that are happening in the life of the church and a lot of terrible things happening in the life of the church. And these good things that you see that you are known for as a church, you are powerful in some things. And there are some powerful things about you. There is the gifts that are being displayed, not just like personal spiritual strength and things that you're doing in your home, but as we are coming together as the people of God, there's some powerful things that are happening. And so you, you've really engaged in those things that, that bring kind of life and excitement and hope to you, and they're centered in these different kinds of giftings, the gifting of tongues and the gifts of prophecy, the gift of miracles, all these great things are happening, and you become so enamored by those things that you've forgotten some of the most important things. It was said of Ephraim, one of the, Ephraim, the, uh, one of the 12 tribes, the half-tribe of Israel, that he was, a, he was half-baked. Actually, it says that he was bread burnt on one side. Isn't that a great nickname for you? The idea is like the bread is put there on the kiln and it's burnt, and you just kind of leave it on one side, right? And so when you take it off, it's, it's totally scorched on one side but raw on the other. Of no value. You don't want to eat that, by the way. And that was <laughs> the tribe of Ephraim. Well, that's sweet, isn't it? They were a, a half-bait kind of people. And when we have these spiritual gifts, when we have a conduct that is keeping with all morality, yet we lack love, well, we are a 
half-baked people. We're, we're bread burnt on one side. And Paul's saying there's more to your faith. In fact, you are missing the most important element. And the most important element is that you are encouraged and motivated by love. That your actions are coming from a heart and a, an attitude of love. That you are so uh, immersed in the love of Christ that it is uh, an attitude that you have with others and towards Him. That is your life. It is to be the interaction of the people of God. The gifts were meant for the edification of the church, and so you could see how that was working in the life of the church, but he's saying, you're half-baked. If you don't have love, you're not anything. And so we as the people of God have to understand that there has to be a motivation, there has to be something that comes from our heart. The previous verses to this say this now, you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles and then second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. But are all, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And you're supposed to be saying no, 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 by the way. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. So of all those things that are happening in the life of the church, desire those higher, those higher, better gifts. But then he puts a period and says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. A still more excellent way. And this way is the love, the way of love. This excellent way are the attributes of this kind of love. And so as we pour through the rest of the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we see that love is patient and kind. You know, as we went through all those over several weeks, I don't know about you, but as I read through them, I was like, ugh, ugh, I don't do that. Oh, there it goes again. Yep, don't do that. Need to work there. And all during the week, God gives you all these opportunities, and you go, ooh, that wasn't loving, right? As you read it, and it's kind of overwhelming, you're like, I don't know how I'm going to love in this situation because I'm just so angry. That's how my mom talked when she was angry. Her lips didn't move. Just, she just talked through her teeth like this. And so we as the people of God have been called to something that is much greater than we can accomplish. In our church, even now, we have so many great gifts displayed. And as you go to different churches, there's different uh, kind of giftings that you see in a church that make it the flavor of that church, and that's the reason you would go there. So you might go because there are people who are gifted musicians and singers, and they do an awesome job, and we are blessed by great musicians and singers. Amen. Uh, it could be because uh, of the great uh, Sunday school or children's ministry. You have gifted administrators and, and workers, and so you, they flock to that. Or it could be great preaching. Praise God, we have great preaching. Amen. Oh my gosh, I rehearsed that. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. You don't have to pay tithe this month. You're fine. Just. 
But you can see these different, ga- uh, different gifts and the flavors of the church, and you can be drawn to those things. But what Paul is saying is you have all of those things. You have all of those things. And you can have them to the nth degree and still be half-baked. And you have lost what I've come to tell you to do, is to be a people who greatly love God and greatly love each other. Do those things. Do those things, and you will be like the people of God. You see, love is is the fulfillment of the law. It is synced with the law. As God brought his people to the mountain, he was going to explain to them what it is to be my people. He spoke to them. He spoke to Moses. He spoke to Moses face to face. And he told him, this is the way that you are to be a people who loves me, who has no other gods before me who doesn't create things with his hands, their hands and, and worship those things, who, who take the name of God and they honor the name of God, that you are a people who keep this day, this Sabbath day of rest holy, and it's set aside as the day of worship for me, that you are people who don't commit adultery, that you don't steal, that you don't covet, that you don't do all these things, but all of those are, ra- are, are wrapped up as a demonstration of what love really is. So if you love you will do those things and you won't do those things. You, you will love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You won't put other gods before you. You won't have such great pride that you can't see God in every moment. You, you won't treat people, you won't seek your own and, and take advantage of other people's. You won't covet, you won't commit adultery, you'll be faithful to covenant. That is the kind of people you are. You are people who love. And the Ten Commandments are a way of expressing that in rules and gives you some boundaries of what love really looks like. And so it's almost like reverse engineer because then the, the scribes and Pharisees come to Jesus and say, well, Tell us what is, you know, what is the greatest commandment or what are we supposed to do? And, he, and Jesus says it can all be summed up, right? In fact, those who come to him know that the law can be summed up in this one idea, A and B, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And a second, unlikened to it, to love your neighbor as yourself. It's the foundation of the law. It is the way of the people of God. As we read these verses today, we see that Love never ends. What does that mean? Another, another idea is the word, the, the word actually means love never falls. Love never fails. It keeps going. We have a, 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 an excellent athlete in our midst. Miss Sarah Parker just ran an Ironman. Yes. And completed it. All in one day. She didn't fall. She didn't fail. The nature of that is that Sarah has great endurance. Love has great endurance. Oftentimes we think love as a race, a short race, 100 meters. (laughs) But love is not like that. It keeps going and going and going and going. And it outlasts our lifetimes. It is love, a a thing that endures till the end, till the end of time and into eternity. It is the, uh, of all these gifts, when we see the, the outcropping of the Spirit in our lives, the first gift 
the first aspect of the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It emanates from the people of God. It is more. It is the good thing. Love has the it factor. Gifts will cease. Gifts will no longer be necessary. Think about that. The gift of prophecy. That's a powerful one, isn't it, right? To tell the truth, to look at the Word, to explain what is happening, what is God saying to His people in the moment. The, the gift of foretelling prophecy, to, to say this is what's going to happen in the future, this is what God, thus God has said, and so it will come true. That's a powerful gift. The gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, all of these things, awesome gifts. But when we get to be with our Lord, do you need those gifts anymore? No. We will be in the presence of God. In fact, it says that we, we right now look in a mirror dimly, right? And the mirrors in the time of Paul uh, were not the same kind of mirrors we have today. They were definitely dim-looking mirrors, which probably was, it would be better for me. But it's referring to, when he says that, he's referring to a verse in Numbers chapter 12, 6-8 that says this, When there are prophets of the Lord among you, I will reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. When I speak to him, face to face, clearly, and not in riddles, he sees the form of the Lord. The the word to see dimly is actually another word that can be interpreted as a riddle. So God has spoken to us, and he speaks to us in his word. And for those who took our, uh, our, our interpretation class, our hermeneutics class, and we looked through it, and we labored through it, we said, you know, there's almost like a riddle, right? It's clear, but it's not so clear. And you have to focus, and you have to learn how to interpret and understand it, and it's very difficult. But there's going to come one day, my brothers and sisters, where we don't have to turn through the word of God because we will see him face to face. And we won't have to have someone interpret. We won't have somebody help us understand. We don't have to take, we don't have to Google anything. We'll be with him, right? We will be face to face just as Moses was. So we won't need the gifts of tongues, and we won't need the gifts of prophecy. We won't, we won't need the, the gift of miracles. Because we will be present with our Lord forever and ever. He goes on to say at the end that. Now, so now, I love how he says now. I don't think that's helpful. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. Right now, we have faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Why is that? Because there's coming a day when we don't need to have any hope. We will have reached the hope. There's a a day in which we, we, we no longer will have to wait on hope. We will receive the hope that is there for us. There'll be a day when we don't have to have faith anymore because we will realize, realize our faith will be present with our Lord. So what lasts? Love. If you think about love enduring to the end, that is the thing that lasts. That's the thing that is present in heaven. There's not the need for faith. There's not the need for hope. There's not a need for gifts. What Paul is saying is, if you don't know what to, to strive for, it's to understand and appreciate and live in this kind of love. And that means that heaven is filled with this kind of love. That means that 
Although there are angels in heaven, there's angelic beings, there's saints, there's saints from different tribes and different languages, there's saints of uh, different colors and, and locations, there's, there's saints and there are cherubim and there are seraphim and there are all these people. You have James and Andrew and John, you have the disciples who are vying for the, the right spot, Peter vying for the right spot next to Jesus on earth, but it's not like that in heaven. Because in heaven it is full of love. You and I will be interacting with our Lord and with each other completely in love. So we don't become jealous of each other. We don't go, oh man, if I just could be an angel, you know? Or, or, or we, we're, we're li- I wish I would have gotten a, 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 a room closer to God. Like, is there a way? You know, we don't have those kind of envying and strife and, and desiring what each other has. It will be fully love. It's going to be nice to be with you in that situation. Amen? And I think you will like me more in that place. We are going to be different. But just as there is no suffering, and love serves as a deep ocean in that place, there is another place as well. And it is completely devoid of this kind of love. I really enjoy getting to talk to Trevor this week. And we were talking about how if we recognize that those graces of gifts are awesome, but recognize something that's even greater, the gifts of grace that happen to us all day long, we'd be a much better place, a much better understanding that we are even civil with each other, <laughs> that we aren't seeking to, to hurt each other all the time, not that we're not completely self-seeking, that the world is not like that, is a grace unto itself. You see, God is still present, and even when there's all this evil going in the world, He's still present, because if He were to remove His hand from that, if He were to remove a kind of moral grace from that, the world would be burnt a long time ago. So even in the midst of the, the troubles that we, we see in this li- lifetime, God infuses it with his grace, but there's coming to a time and a place where there'll be no grace at all. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It will be devoid of any kind of grace of God. There will be there, those who are always plotting and scheming against each other, always seeking themselves, always full of anger, anger, always full of envy, always full of strife and, and hatred. It is a place that burns. It's a lake of fire. There's no love for each other. There's no love for God. C.S. Lewis imagines that the door between heaven and hell is locked on the hell side from the inside. There's no desire to be with God, to know God, only hatred. To understand one, you must also appreciate the other. Heaven is a glorious and wonderful place. Love leads us there. It finds its home in heaven, its destination. Just as Paul was maturing physically, he said, 
there, there's an understanding of what this is all about, and I didn't realize it until I became a man. We don't understand the fullness and the beauty and the glory of love until we reach it in heaven. As we have many people who are mourning here today, as we are all mourning, some for most things that have happened just most recently and, and even as reflect into greater losses in our lives. I had a dear brother say to me, in the midst of mourning, it seems like you're looking through a haystack for a very shiny, very small sliver of the joy of heaven. And today, for a moment, we'll push through the hay and we'll see that sliver of joy and that hope as we are reunited with our brothers and sisters, our mothers and fathers, our aunts and uncles, our grandparents. And today we cling to that joy. We cling to the knowledge that they are so happy right now. <laughs> we are looking through the hay, but they are living in the midst of this. And this is our hope as well. Brothers and sisters, be buoyed by the love of Christ. Let your attitude and actions be bound by the bonds of love. Let your work be a work that ends in love. Let love course through your heart to your fingertips and look forward to the fulfillment of that hope. For our Lord, Lord loves us so much. He loves us so much. And he is present with us.